Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, the pandemic changed the way your people think about their offices. We know that uh, air quality and cleanliness of office buildings is a much higher priority than it was before. And it's not just that, it's actually, it expands beyond just air quality to health and mental well-being. Now, even federal buildings have data. It's monitored, it's tracked, and it's displayed so that now the occupant has a sense of confidence in what's going on inside the building, and it's not such a mystery. And subtle changes, not makeovers, coming to federal offices. Not an overhaul of how they work, but you're now introducing this, you know, flex hub or flex space into your overall mix of space types. It's Wednesday, July 6th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Customer experience leaders in government have a new resource from the CX Center of Excellence at the General Services Administration. The COE calls its new CX maturity model, quote, a framework to help organizations transform their federal service delivery. The COE will host a virtual discussion about the maturity model next Wednesday. The Small Business Administration is taking comments on its proposed rule to certify veteran-owned and service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses. The 2021 National Defense Authorization Act shifted oversight of the businesses from the Department of Veterans Affairs to the SBA. The agency's taking comments through August 5th. You can read more about these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. Never trust always verifies the essence of zero trust. If you want to secure your organization, you need to verify more than just users. You also need to secure devices. Tanium can help you gain clarity and control across all endpoints to secure your perimeter. Visit tanium.com slash federal to learn more. Federal agencies continue to refine their back-to-office plans. They're also planning for what those offices could look like in 5, 10 years, or even longer. Nina Albert is Commissioner of the Public Building Service at the General Services Administration. Nina, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. What are you seeing across the landscape of the federal real estate portfolio as agencies are thinking about coming back to the office now, but also trying to figure out what that landscape could look like in in a couple of years out? Welcome, Nina. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to talk about this. As you know, this is a passion of mine, first of all, but secondly, I think that the opportunity facing the federal government right now is really exciting and one that we should harness. Um, Before I sort of immediately address your question, I just think it's really important to acknowledge the people that one have been coming into the office for the past two years because Their agency missions are mission critical and mandated that they continue to push through um, and navigate the pandemic while uh, delivering their mission and serving uh, the American public. Um, And then there's a whole host of folks, including uh, the staff at the Public Building Service, who continue to ensure over the past two years that buildings were clean and safe, um, that construction projects were delivered on time and on budget, and uh, who continued just to manage and support the folks uh, that were either working from home um, under mandatory work from home orders or who are coming into buildings. So before we look to the future, I just wanna take this time to thank uh, those of you out there and the listeners 
um, who have continued to provide the government mission uh, throughout what's been, frankly, a very complicated time. Um, Francis, I just want to um, talk to you a little bit about what I think uh, the future includes and what the opportunity uh, is uh, for the federal government to harness. Uh, first is, uh, clearly, we have an opportunity and need to modernize uh, federal workplaces. Uh, we house approximately 1.1 million federal workers. And what people don't think about necessarily is that our buildings serve tens of millions of members of the visiting public each year. So it's really important that our buildings uh, not only um, present a point of pride uh, for the people uh, who work in them, but also uh, to the people uh, whose communities uh, we are a part of. And then the second uh, opportunity that we absolutely uh, should be excited to harness is to optimize the real estate portfolio. And that uh, we do by um, investing uh, in assets that the federal government should continue to own over the long term because it's most cost effective. Um, and also by consolidating leases into own space whenever possible. So in short, we want fewer buildings, but better buildings. And uh, that's what I think our uh, mission and mandate is for the coming decade. One of your predecessors, Dan Matthews, was on the program last week talking about that being an opportunity to move from uh, the buildings that the government owns now into better spaces as a result of what's happening in the leasing market. How do you analyze a particular market or a particular area in a particular market to understand that that opportunity exists and how best to leverage that opportunity, Nina? Well, we work very closely with customer agencies. So it's very important that we're connected to our customers um, and uh, working with them on what they think their future needs are. Uh, many customers right now um, have learned from the last two years about how they want to deliver their mission differently, um, how they want to uh, serve their customers uh, differently and have adjusted the customer service models that they had. Um, and then also uh, many are leaning into hybrid work and hybrid work can mean a mix of um, folks who are uh, teleworking um, as well as on-site working and then kind of a whole variety of uh, permutations in between. So we start with the customer, make sure that we understand uh, how their needs evolve and change and then uh, we look at our portfolio within a region. So it's very locally based and um, we're tracking constantly. We have about a two to four year outlook as to what different agencies are doing. And so we can, it's like a puzzle piece. You know, you take uh, the needs of one agency. They say, I need 100,000 square feet. We happen to know that we've got a long-term lease that has 100,000 square feet available or uh, better yet, we've got a federal facility uh, where, um, you know, there's some contraction for whatever reason uh, within that federal facility. So it is, I, I call it like building, you know, a puzzle and you're constantly shifting the pieces around to make sure that you can try and get to 
an optimized solution. What's the ongoing engagement with those customer agencies, Nina? I imagine this dialogue doesn't just exist in a vacuum when they say our lease expires in spot A in six months and we need uh, we're going to need to do something. Um, well, it's uh, it, it spans the, the the gamut, as you can imagine. Um, some agencies that are smaller don't have big real estate company or you know big real estate practices within it, and so they work very closely with us, and we are uh, an extension basically of their agency, supporting them and thinking through strategic decisions, um, thinking through um, you know if they want to evolve their workplace model, helping them think through all those things, and then coming up with a solution and presenting them with that. Other agencies um, have uh, fairly robust uh, real estate and facilities departments and are doing a lot of those analytics on their own, and then will come to us uh, again because, uh, you know, we are the, the federal government's landlord, and we'll help them identify um, a leasing strategy or um, uh, repositioning strategy of certain of our federal assets. So it's it's across the board, but it really begins with asking our customer and working with them on what their long-term strategy is um, for housing people and for uh, serving people, uh, the American public. And from that, uh, we can bring either a variety of consulting resources to them or we can just work directly with them on what that solution looks like. In that feedback that you're getting from your customer agencies, Nina, are there themes in the way that the pandemic has uh, caused them to rethink the way that they're going to work or that they expect to work in the next couple of years? Absolutely. Um, we uh, initiated back in uh, early 20. Uh, sorry, hold on. Yeah, in, in the summer of 2020, so really at the onset of the pandemic, a working group of more than 150 um, professionals across the federal government who were interested in exactly this topic. How is this going to change um, uh, how we work in the future? So there are some underlying themes. Uh, number one, um, there is a need for uh, facilities going forward. Uh, we know that we're never going to a 100% all remote uh, situation because there's so many functions in the government that rely on a place-based solution. And I, uh, when I think about uh, GSA's portfolio in particular, we have courthouses. I mean, that represents, you know, a third of our portfolio. It's huge. Land ports of entry. We just got $3.4 billion to modernize and expand that infrastructure. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Customs and Border Protection have been going in every day for the last, you know, two and a half years. That hasn't changed. Um, and then we've got labs all over the country um, and then law enforcement, obviously. So, you know, I just think that there's a big uh, opportunity to uh, think what those service delivery models are. And um, almost universally, all of the agencies have said that there's going to continue to be a workplace-based solution. The other thing that we know, uh, two other things that I think are really critical, uh, well, three actually, uh, we know that uh, air quality and cleanliness of office buildings is a much higher priority than it was before. And it's not just that, it's actually, it expands beyond just air quality to health and mental well-being. That is a, a recognition that 
uh, as an employer, we now have put at the forefront of what the future of work looks like. Um, number three, technology. It's not just building technology, it's how is technology changing how we deliver our mission, how we serve our customers, and what supports the workforce. So many agencies are really um, trying to understand what artificial intelligence is going to do uh, for the federal workforce. And how I like to think of it is pushing human work up the value chain. Um, and so, you know, we have to think through that. And we won't know the answers to that right away. But there is a fundamental recognition that our current workforce and certainly the future workforce are going to be highly technology enabled. And then lastly, everybody wants to save some money. And so I think for the first time in a long time, we're really looking at this. How do we uh, improve uh, occupancy um, of our assets and use space differently? And everyone acknowledges that that social and collaboration connection uh, is really a primary purpose for the office going forward. Um, and so we might just use space really differently uh, rather than being very office-based or cubicle-based. It's instead more collaboration-based and there'll just be more of those types of spaces uh, that encourage uh, collaboration and connection because we know that that's what we've all missed um, over the last couple of years. There's a bunch there I'd like to dig into, Nina. Um, you talked about the idea of saving money, and I think at least from an outsider, amateur perspective like mine, the first place I would go with real estate is just shrinking the footprint is where you would go to save money. It's probably not nearly as simple as that, is it? You often have to spend money to save money. So the cost of moving um, costs money. The, co uh, the need to uh, renovate space so that it meets your needs costs money. But undoubtedly, if we're able to consolidate space and utilize it better and modernize it so that it's attractive um, you know, for federal workers to be in federal buildings, then we will absolutely save money over the long term. Nina Albert is my guest. She's the commissioner of the Public Building Service at the General Services Administration. Nina, making a building attractive for the employee to be there, that kind of ties into the second uh, point that you made, where this idea of air quality and cleanliness has transformed into a, a wellness concept for the federal employee and what that means. How do you approach that from a real estate perspective? What's the real estate portfolio's contribution potentially to an employee's sense of well-being, especially mental well-being? Yeah, um, I think there are a number of different things. And the federal government and GSA has been offering this for some time. Um, there, you know, mental and physical well-being includes all different kinds of things. There's a lot of evidence um, of the impact of natural daylight for example, in space. And so you're seeing, that's why of the last you know, 20 years, there's been trends towards more open office space so that that natural daylight can come in. You see um, direct correlation with people's productivity, direct correlation with people's sense of well-being. Um, we are also providing fitness centers in a lot of uh, buildings. And that's um, an amenity, frankly, that even the private sector doesn't always offer, but that we have been consistently offering. And then now, um, before in, in modern buildings, we were uh, in modernized buildings, had very good um, HVAC systems with good um, 
there are two things that you measure with air quality. One is filtration, and then second is um, air turnover. You know, how quickly is natural air coming into the building? And so the standards before were very good, but now I think the mandate is to communicate that much better. So people want to have that transparency into how the building is performing. And so that's what we call a smart building. It's one where that data is tracked, it's, it's monitored, it's tracked, and it's displayed so that now the occupant has a sense of confidence in what's going on inside the building. And it's not such a mystery. Um, so I think all of those things uh, are contributors to health and um, mental well-being. The other, and this is where the tricky part is that everyone's trying to wrestle with, is um, what is that mix of um, on-site work versus off-site work? Because we know that introducing that flexibility into how people work is also part of the wellness equation so that you know young families can care uh, for their children or maybe any type of family can care for uh, their elderly parent and have some flexibility and that helps reduce stress um, you know on the employee to know that they have some flexibility uh, as well as uh, makes it a you know makes us a good employer so I think all of those things together it's it's many little components uh, that really give people a sense of confidence in the physical space that they're at enjoyment um, and productivity when they are in that physical space. Uh, and then lastly, that uh, comfort that their employer is really looking out for them. That's going to be a big factor too, I imagine then, but to go back to the fourth point that you made about the way that agencies think about using their spaces differently. Um, how Have you seen any concrete examples of an agency saying, we used to do this and now we're going to do that? Uh, as not even necessarily as a result of the pandemic per se, but just as a result of the way that the workforce and their needs and wants are evolving. I'll give you two super concrete examples. Uh, number one is there is an agency um, that is very paper-based, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. Uh, and they occupied five buildings. And three of those buildings were mainly paperwork storage, right? And it's a storage facility for paper. Um, as a result of the pandemic, uh, their employees were uh, sent uh, and under mandatory, you know, work from home orders, and they needed access to a lot of the paperwork that now they didn't have access to. So at this moment, that agency has been leaning in uh, really hard, digitizing a lot of paperwork. And now uh, their footprint has been reduced from five buildings to two. That's pretty remarkable. I mean, it was just the, you know, kind of kick in the pants that was needed to say, you know what, we're going to do it now. We're going to make this a priority because there's significant cost savings and our people need access to that information. So that's one super concrete example that's really not about um, uh, uh, workplaces, but it's about real estate and how much real estate we need. And then I'll just give the GSA example um, of workplaces and things that we've done um, in a couple of our regional offices. Uh, you know, it depends on the size of the office, but let's say there was a, uh, there's one example that I have out in Seattle. Uh, they had two floors uh, and people were assigned to cubicles and offices. And then there were, you know, sort of a math formula for how many uh, conference rooms were needed. And we uh, just moved and consolidated our space and shrunk to 30% of what we had before. 
Um, and now the spaces that we're providing, um, yes, there continue to be offices, but they're unassigned. So people will come in, reserve an office for the day if they need to do that focus work, that heads down work, uh, or they can uh, assign themselves to uh, a touchdown space or a workstation. Um, and, but the, the rest of the spaces um, are a lot more flexible. So there's some that are designed as communal spaces, some that are designed as quiet spaces, and then yet others more of a typical conference style. And that's where, that's kind of a new work model. I call that a flex hub. You know, it's flexible space. And how many agencies can think about this in the future is not an overhaul of how they work, but you're now introducing this, you know, flex hub or flex space into your overall mix of space types so that if you do have a component of your workforce that's working from home and they need to come into the office, they can find what they need. They're not assigned to just one type of workstation. They can choose between different types of workstations so they can be best at their job when they're coming into the office. How do you track within GSA the response that your employees have to those kinds of changes that you make? And how do you recommend that your customer agencies do it to make sure that over time, these changes that you make really do meet the needs and wants of the employees that work there? Yeah, first of all, um, I think it's very important to have some sort of feedback loop and system. Um, you know, the example that I gave out in Seattle, that's a pretty tight team. And so the manager is really hearing real time uh, from people about how the space is working. We're also a little bit of an anomaly because most of our workforce is obsessed with space efficiency. So, you know, people just by in the natural course of business talk about it. But I think for agencies that don't, you know, um, that don't have real estate as their core mission, um, you know, set up some sort of feedback loop, really invite people uh, to talk about how space works. Um, and here's the key. And this is what our job as GSA is to do for agencies going future, going into the future. We need to create spaces that are flexible. And what I mean by that is that we're not building uh, so many hard walls that when the model um, changes, let's say five years from now, 10 years from now, it's not a major capital investment to change. So that's what we're really looking into. We wanna make sure that technology cabling, for example, um, is designed in such a way that if walls do move in the future, you're not completely having to redo all of the cabling, all of the you know, air conditioning systems, et cetera. So that's right now what we're working with architects on is designing uh, interior spaces so that they're more flexible and more easily taken down and readjusted you know, on day two, day three. Um, when we return. The final one of those four points that you made that I'd like to ask you about is that technology piece, Nina. And I'm curious who your partners are in helping understand what the technology needs, not just of GSA, but of the entire government are. Are those folks within your organization? Or are those folks within the technology shop at GSA? Are those folks within the technology shops at the various customer agencies that you serve? Maybe all of the above, or maybe somebody I missed? 
I would say all of the above. Um, you know, technology now is no longer a monolith. It's so um, tailored to a specific solution or a specific need. So the chief information officers and all of their staffs within agencies are really, you know, identifying how best to support uh, their missions, their workforce, et cetera. The type of technology that um, my team really focuses on is building technology. So again, very specific um, to how a building performs. And what's really intriguing to me right now is that you're seeing um, a lot of progress and innovation in two areas in particular. One is around occupancy um, and all kinds of monitoring actually. And it's all about building performance and how people are using buildings. So before we used to measure occupancy, let's say through the badge, you know, like people check in, they swipe their badge and then they get let into the building. So that would be one way, which is a simple count of how many people are using the building at any given time. Where things are evolving to now are how are people using the building? So there's monitors within the building. Are people congregating around the kitchenette and having coffee and doing impromptu meetings there? Um, because if that's the case, then we should be you know, building, you know, bigger kitchenettes um, or are people really coming in and using those breakout rooms? So understanding that, and then here's the key, then adjusting the building systems, heating, cooling, all that kind of stuff so that you can shut down, let's say a wing or a segment of the building. So you're not heating and cooling unnecessarily, but instead really turning on uh, the lighting systems and everything else where people are using the space most. And that's what's really exciting. And that's what we call a smart building. Um, so that's one area. And then uh, the other thing where we're seeing a lot of innovation is in conference room technology, which is to uh, obviously enable that hybrid uh, model. There's a ton more I would love to talk to you about. We're out of time. It's great to have you on the program. Uh, Nina, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Commissioner Albert celebrates her one-year anniversary as PBS Commissioner today. You can read more about Back to the Office and the government's real estate portfolio in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you don't want to miss a show, you can subscribe and get the show every weekday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your shows, and on any device you get your shows. And if you really like the Daily Scoop Podcast, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It'll help more people find the show. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The Daily Scoop podcast is back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.